This is the greatest hour to follow Jesus. I was asked a, qu- a question. Take your Bibles to Exodus 16. Just mark that. Somebody recently asked me a question. It was a good question. It was a, a fair question. It was a, a very pure-hearted question. Um, but the question itself began to reveal to me uh, some of the limitations that we have bought into as a people. Um, how many of you know the devil, he, he tries to get you in a few different ways. One is your initial bite on what he offers. We call that an initial temptation. Sometimes he tries to get you on that initial hook, you know. Now, if he knows you won't bite on that, he'll try to get you on your reaction. We call that throwing the baby out with the bathwater, right? So, for instance, um, somebody gets sick around you, you go after that the best you know how, you use the word of God, you're pulling your five smooth stones out of every stream you know. And you're slinging those at the enemy. You're taking communion. You're uh, uh, yielding to the word. You're confessing the word. You're spending time with the Lord. You're laying hands. You're anointing with oil. And you're not getting that breakthrough, right? The initial temptation is to not believe that God wants to heal that person. Then you can actually form a counter-reaction that sounds something like this. Well, maybe God wants to heal, just not every time. Because that was our experience. And that's what the Lord does. He does that. The higher you go in the Lord, the devil is well aware of what you will bite on and what you will not. That's why he said, the scripture says, he came back to the Lord at a more opportune time. As you begin to wield the word word, like a sword, the devil will wait on a few moments in your life to come back at a more opportune time. Typically, when you're exhausted. Physically exhausted. Typically, when you're stressed. So, let's say you have a generation who is not convinced of the goodness of God. And God begins to raise up people to teach faith, to teach the word, all of it pertaining to how good God is, right? The counter-reaction would be to believe that God is blind and no longer sees sin or sees what is wrong. So what I'm saying is this. The, the enemy enjoys watching us takes a scalpel to the nature of God. He enjoys it when we create our own choices where we accept one attribute of the Lord and discount the other. Like, for instance, if you're a pastor here, you think guys like me are wasting my time out there. Most, a lot of pastors. That we're wasting our time because we're not making disciples. And if you're an evangelist right now, you're wondering why in God's name you actually have to sit through a church service. 
Why aren't we out there winning the world? We should be out in the streets. We should be in the grocery stores. Why do we even have to come? Those are choices that we begin to form in our own heart based on a limited view of the Lord. Because we're not looking at the Lord. We're looking at our lane. We're looking at our stream. Like Randy Clark said, every stream thinks it's the river. But baby, it's not the river. It's a stream. Are you following me? So my vision of the Lord actually begins to frame, actually literally begins to frame my experience in the Lord. Because I will not pursue any realm in God that I have not tasted or seen. I've at least got to get a drip. You know, that's how the Lord deals with us. How many of you, how many of you, where were we walking the other day, babe, when we smelled the, oh, it was me and the boys. We stayed up at Hughes Landing up at the Woodlands, and we walked by Fogo de Chao. Man, the, when we, as soon as we turned the corner, my boys were like, what is that? <laughs> Instantly, you want to go in. That's how the Lord deals with us. You might see some attribute of God on a person that you don't have, and you have two choices in that moment, to be offended and jealous or to serve that person or to be honoring towards that person. Or to give towards that person. You mean like write a check? I mean, yeah, like write a check. I'm not telling you to give me a check. I'm just telling you what, what, what you can do to keep offense from growing in your heart. You can pray for them. Write them big fat checks. Fat, don't tip them. Like actually give them a check. What does that do? You're taking ownership over your own heart. And by default, you are signing up for what they have. So the reason I'm talking about this is because this is the way the question came to me. Michael, we have a high value for the presence of God. We also have a high value for the Word of God. And we were talking about the, the, that, that Shekinah glory of God, that cloud-like presence of the Lord, who is the Holy Spirit. It's Him manifesting His presence, which is so holy. I feel Him just talking about that. It's so wonderful and holy. Anytime the Lord becomes that real, two things are happening. You're being purified and He's becoming vulnerable. He's becoming visible, which is vulnerability. Because He's shrouded in mystery. He's a spirit. Anytime signs and wonders show up, it's God saying, I am trusting you with me. I hope you'll take care of my heart and not run all over it. So he becomes visible, and then we, our eyes, begin to see. Two things are happening. And by the way, both require him. <laughs> At the end of the day, the whole thing's about him. Are you ready for a newsflash? God does nothing that he's not involved in. It's all him. It's his word, his blood, his spirit, his miracles. It's all him. So... The question was, is it word or spirit? How do I do both? How do I have the cloud and the word? And I was by, I was, if you want to call it a beach, but it wasn't, really wasn't a beach. It was a lake. And we were hanging out eating 
I was eating keto snacks. He was pounding chips. And I heard the Holy Spirit say this. Say this to him. Tell him to read his Bible in the cloud. He goes, well, how do I have both? I go, just read the word in the cloud. You get it all. You see how the devil wants us to believe, well, I'm a word guy. He's a Holy Ghost guy. I've actually had people introduce me in, in certain camps. I'm word and Holy Ghost. I'm like, bro, there's no word without the Holy Ghost. He's God. Mike Miller and I from Upper Room were playing golf the other day. We were talking about the presence of Jesus out there. And it got really powerful in the golf cart. And I said, I, I, he, he's so anointed. I love, I love the language God's given him to build the culture at the Upper Room. And I said this to him. If the presence is a side issue, that means that God is a side issue. Are you hearing me? God is his presence and his presence is him if I said I want the presence of John (laughs) I can't even say that stuff without laughing (laughs) to mow my grass which you're more than welcome bro don't you feel good let me let you know you can do it if I said I want the presence of John to come mow my lawn I'm asking for John to come mow my lawn I'm not asking for the thought of John to come on my lawn, and I'm not asking for the doctrine of John. I'm not asking for the theology of John. I'm asking for the real John to come and mow my lawn. So when we say, pastor's like, I'll take it too. (laughs) Miracle? (laughs) Pastor, that'd be a miracle. Well, that's what this is all about this morning. But the point is this. In his presence there are no limitations. And your thoughts begin to open. And when the Lord begins to open your vision to him, you step into a place of impossibility where it becomes absolutely easy and normal. Uh, what happened to, me, to us here in Houston when those miracles broke out, and I think it was those two marrying. The word and presence that pastor teaches, this house that is open, the presence of God that is welcome gladly, miracles are the easiest thing in the world. I don't know who that girl was whose tongue got loose, but she went back to her church on Sunday. Is she here by any chance? She went back to her church on Sunday. They sent me the testimony, and she testified, sobbing. She goes, look, my tongue is working, and she was just crying. It's amazing. And the people in the church were blown away. And she was telling her home church, I, wanted to, I could barely pray in tongues and I wanted to lead worship. But I haven't been able to. And now look, 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 my tongue is working. That's amazing. That's what happens when you welcome the presence of Jesus. So the presence of Jesus is Jesus. So here's the deal. The next time you're at the mall and let's say you're there with Jeff Hedinger and he says something that makes you feel the Lord. Or you say, man, I feel the presence of God. A more accurate statement is, I feel Jesus here. You say, why is that a big deal? Oh, walking with Jesus through the mall is a big deal. Because something is birthed there, in that place. Relationship. 
See, that's why I always say the presence of Jesus and I don't just say the presence. It's still true. But in revival culture, especially millennial revival culture, the presence is slowly separating itself from the actual Jesus. So we say, oh, I feel the presence. I say it all the time. It's not a matter of right or wrong. It's a matter of intentionality to paint a picture. I want these young people to know they are walking with the real and actual Jesus. The one who has holes in his hands, the one who grew up in Nazareth. The real, the real Jesus. That changes the game. The moment the presence wears a face, it changes the game. Because you'll deal with him differently. And hear me, it's in this place, listen, it's in this place where we re-inherit what Adam lost. And what was that? Tending to the garden while holding hands with the Lord. The Christian life in his presence is not a life of work. I'm not telling you guys to quit your job. I'm talking about your spiritual life. It is not a life of work. It is a life of tending. Come here, Ryan, since you need a little spirituality. This baseball getaway here. So you're walking with the Lord, and a life of intimacy tends to the Lord. He becomes your garden, and this is what he gives you back, a garden. That's actually him, the different pathways of his heart. And the Lord begins to express to you what he enjoys. Now listen, if, if, if you have an issue with experiencing God, you cannot walk with the Lord. Now I'm, I'm going to target some people. Look, we need the word. We need the word. I'm not preaching a Jesus that is not in the word. If, if, if you are in love with a Jesus that is different than the Jesus of the word, it's not the real Jesus. It's just not. It's not true. It's not worth following. However, the word has been given to us from God so that we might enjoy God. So that we might experience God. The Bible was not given to us to give us the Bible. The Bible was given to us so that we would experience the Lord Himself. The Bible is an open, living doorway into the heart of God. It is the heart of God on paper. This is not a book. You might have a lot of books in your library, but this one stands alone. This book is alive. This is the literal heart of Jehovah on paper. So alive that Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And he would open many parables by saying, Behold. That means I can hear what he's saying and see what he's saying. It's all experiential. The whole, it encompasses my entire being. I can feel the word of the Lord. That's why the prophets would say this. I will get up and see what the Lord is saying. How do you see what a guy is saying? Well, you can right now. You see the purple elephant? You see the steak waiting for you, fathers, after this? Hopefully it's not rice aroni. <laughs> Wives, you've got something, like our brother said earlier, feed him. 
That's all you got. You got to do about three things with your husband. I won't get in the other two. Just feed him. Where was I? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But what did the steak have to do with it? Seeing. Yeah. You saw the steak. And that's what we call seers, like a Brian Guerin. What is he seeing? What the Lord is saying. Every time you open the word, you can see, feel, and hear. It's like a holy spiritual pop-up book. The word's not boring. I'm telling you, it's amazing. I'm not going to lie to you. I've seen many scenes from the scriptures and encounters. Many. When I began to meditate on Isaiah 53, it was my first encounter with Calvary. Changed my life. When God speaks something, it never dies. So cool. So you've got to have the right Jesus. But as you're walking with Jesus, He begins to nudge your heart through sensing His presence. His, his presence becomes the green light or the red light. And that's, this is a love walk. This has got to go way deeper than us confessing the right scriptures. This is encouraging ourselves in the Lord right here. This is us hunkering down saying, look, Lord, I am walking with you. So I begin to thank the Lord. And, 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 and you're a picture of Jesus here, which is a frightening thought. But no, I love it. So, so I sense his presence a little more. Or something happens in my heart. Something triggers me. I can sense the Lord enjoying something. Well, I'm not changing the dial. I'm staying right there. The moment I sense the moisture lift, I go, hmm, he's not mad at me. He's playing hide and go seek with me. He enjoys the seeking. What do you want right now? You want me to pray in tongues? I can do that. So I pray in tongues. I don't sense his presence. I give it some time. Sensing something in my heart. He says, get back in the word. I get back in the word. He wants me to wait in stillness. I wait in stillness. I begin to learn how to tend to his desires. And tending looks like this. Lord, you like this? Here's more. Here's more. You don't want this right now? It doesn't mean you're against me or it. What do you want? It's all right here. It's all right here. But it's got to go from here to here. So we can use the terminology of ministering unto the Lord. I'll tell you what it's going to take. In the moment... Understanding, ah, he came. He came during that note. He came in that song. He came in that word. He came, well, that's just waiting. He came in the offering. If he comes in the offering, keep giving. (laughs) This is what it means to re-inherit what Adam lost. Tending to the feelings of God. Go sit down, bro. That is an incredible honor. So check this out. And then, and then we're going to close because it's, it's getting late. Go to, uh, I talked about this on Instagram the other day. I was shocked by the response. It was crazy. I want you to go to verse 13 of Exodus 16. Because uh, I don't know who's all involved in the, in the dwell culture or... This is really for everyone as a family and as a house. We've got to get this. Verse 13 says, So it was that quails came up at evening and covered the camp. Do you remember 
why this happened, the, the Israelites were not happy with the fact that God had delivered them. And they became extremely unthankful. Isn't that crazy? If you want to find critical people, look for people who aren't thankful. They're the most critical. And, and they're the people who aren't qualified to lead. Because you can't lead a people that you're busy finding dirt on. You can only lead, a, this, is, this is the word for fathers. You can only lead a people who you're willing to look through the dirt, bore through the dirt and find gold in. Anyone can find dirt, like Bill says. Only a few look for gold. And they became really unthankful. And they said, man, we come out here to die? There weren't enough graves in Egypt? Isn't it amazing what the human heart can do? So God sent quail. I like quail. Uh, It's good, isn't it? (laughs) Verse 14. Verse 13, it says... And the quail came up at evening and covered the camp. And in the morning, listen, say in the morning. Say it again. In the morning. One more time, we'll seal it. In the morning. The dew lay all around the camp. And when the layer of dew lifted, there, say there, There. on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance, as fine as frost, on the ground. So when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For we don't know what it is. And Moses said, This is the bread. Say bread. Bread. Which the the Lord has given you to eat. Let's stop there. All right, now you're going to have to deal with me. Because I've taken a, a little heat, even in meetings, because of this one. From incredible leaders. But I, I'm not changing my stance on this, this part. How, how many of you know when, when, a, when, a, when a leader challenges you, it'll do two things. It'll, you're either going to like, you always need to be humble and chew on it. But it'll do a few things. If, if, how many of you know this, this needs to be a rock? Right here. So it, you're either going to change it or commit more deeply because it's costing you something. There's no substitute for spending time with Jesus in the morning. It's all good. And it all works. And if you can't do it in the morning, I understand. If you have a job in the morning, I get it. If you're like up at four, I'm not saying get up at two. But there is something special about going out to find the dew when God sends the dew. And God sent the dew in the morning. I wish, now look, I wish that were not the case. But when the Lord's there in the form of dew, because the Holy Spirit is the dew. Remember, in the Garden of Eden, I don't have time to turn there, but in the garden, there was no rain. Because mist came up from the ground. What is that speaking of? Listen, when you're in the glory... When you're in revival, you are not crying out for revival. You're crying out for Jesus because revival has come. You're in the mist. You're living in the mist. So when you're in the mist, you're not going, send rain. 
No, no, no. You don't need this. You don't need rain. You need to breathe in the mist. So, so here the Bible says the mist came, and they went out in the morning into the mist, into the dew. And when the when the dew disappeared, something was left behind, manna. And the word manna means this. What is this? <laughs> That's the best they could do after whining. God was so good, hear me, God was so good to send it that it was beyond their vision. That's how good God is. The best those critical thinkers could do, the best those ungrateful princes could do, was go, oh, what is that? That's how amazing the Lord is. Now listen, I feel him now. That should happen every morning to your heart. Every morning, because you have chosen to value. It so grieves me when I hear leaders say, atmosphere don't matter. Oh, no, atmosphere matters. Oh, atmosphere matters. No dew, no manna. You say, well, I, don't, I don't need manna. Well, here's the problem with that. Jesus said, I am the manna. I am the bread who comes down from heaven. You need Jesus. <laughs> You need Jesus every day. So, they stepped out into the dew, made the dew their world. When the dew was there, you can't create the dew. You don't get to tell God when the dew comes. You yield to the dew. If the dew's there, I'm coming. And you step out into the dew, that dew becomes your world, that moisture becomes your world, that garden that we lost becomes your world. And as you wait on the Lord, something is left behind, manna. And your heart looks at Jesus in the morning, your heart goes, who are you? Not like you've never met him, it's he blows you away with his majesty. So every morning your heart should go, what is this Jesus, who is he? Who still loves me, who still comes. Yeah, you need to give the Lord like something. That he comes every morning. That he comes every second. Now look, I'm not giving you a religious duty. I'm giving you a spiritual tip. A key. A doorway. I'm not telling you you're going to hell. I'm not telling you you won't experience his presence. I'm telling you there are higher dimensions if you step out into the camp when the dew is there. That's when Jesus walked on water. In the fourth watch. He knew what he was doing. It's when the priests began to minister to the Lord. The Bible called it the morning watch in some passages. It's when the dew is there. Now listen. Once, and then I'm going to close. I promise. Are you enjoying this? Okay. Once, once the dew evaporated, they were left with these little white flaky things and those flaky things kept them alive for 40 years let me tell you how alive it kept them they didn't need new shoes they didn't need new clothing they didn't need anything in fact the bible says unless they rebelled that israel didn't even have a doctor now, i'm not telling you not to go to doctor i'm just telling you how healthy the lord kept them 
So you might look down at this manna in your own heart and go, what would some time with Jesus do for me? Everything. Everything. So let's talk about that quickly. The manna was what color? Why is it white? Because Jesus is the pure, holy son of God. The manna was thin. Why would it be thin? Because he's fragile. His heart is fragile. He's sensitive. He's not weak. He's sensitive. That's why the Bible says we didn't esteem him. That's why it says a smoking wick he didn't quench. That's why it says a, a, just a simple reed of flax he didn't break. There's this sign of the Lord that is very gentle and engaged. Jeremy Riddle told me, I'll never forget this. Changed my life. He said when that cloud came that first night at Bethel, when it came 26 nights in a row, or weeks in a row or something, I said, bro, what was going through your head? He said, what blew me away is that with every chord, with every note, with every key change, with everything we said and how we sung it and everything we did, that cloud began to react. It would shoot up and then it would shoot out and then feathers would fall into it and then gold and then jewels and the kids were playing under it and I learned every time we said something, every time we played something, every time we lifted our voice or brought our voices down, every time we danced, every time Steph had her face buried into the carpet or was jumping around, whatever she was doing, all of it mattered. And it began to pull on his heart and he reacted. That's how Jesus' heart is. Thin, sensitive. The Bible says that manna was sweet to the taste. Some of you just need to get a little sweeter. Especially on Father's Day. This is sweetness of Jesus. It's the honey-like nature of the Lord that you ingest by being with Him. The Bible says the manna was round. Why was it round? Because even in the midst of His sensitivity and His sweetness, never forget, He's the eternal God who has no beginning and no end. He's round. This is who Jesus is. And it was bread-like. Why bread-like? Why not steak-like? <laughs> Why bread-like? Every nation, every culture, <laughs> every continent has access to bread. And Jesus is the universal living remedy for all mankind. Now listen, this is, and then, and then, and then the Bible says they took the bread and ate it. You say, I know Jesus this morning. Can you help me on those keys? You say, I know Jesus. I, I, I know who he is. Knowing who he is is not knowing him. No, knowing him is consuming him. The Bible says they took that bread and ate it. And then when they, what happens when you eat something? It becomes you. And you become it. Jesus married. He married Israel through their consumption and daily, daily reception of his literal presence. So what I feel for this house is this. I'm... I am praying that, that the dew of heaven would cover this place. Dew. That this would be the most moist, easy. I mean, it already is amazing. But how many of you want more moisture? More, just easy. And then God's raising up people who will go and venture outside the camp and get into the moist places. 
Then when that sun of righteousness comes and shines on the camp, that dew dissipates and what happens? Jesus has left. And our hearts go every single day. Oh my gosh, who are you? You're amazing. Would you all stand please? With every eye closed, not, not out of religion, just, just so that you can be still in your own heart and with nobody moving. I want to talk to you about your life this morning. I'm not asking you if you've come and asked Jesus to just help you out a few times. I want to know, have you, have you met the literal Jesus? The actual Lord? Has He completely set you free? Are you free from yourself and sin? You say, what is sin? It's a life of distance. It's a life of saying, I don't need God in this area of my life. And many of you are in bondage, whether to pornography or lust, anger. Many of you are slaves to things about you that you've been trying to fix. And you can't fix anything. It takes the creator to fix creation. And Jesus created you. He created you so that he would be in your life, lead you and guide you and love you and set you free. You say, Michael, I want to be free this morning. I want to know the Jesus you're talking about. Like I really, really want to know him. I want you to lift your hand. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you, Lord. That's beautiful. And, And today... In just a few seconds, you're going to come, not to an altar, but you're going to come to a father on Father's Day. And he's going to, he's going to get to you before you get down here. Because it's just the way he is. He's amazing and he's loving. And so if you raised your hand this morning, I, I, want, you to, I want you to come down. Or you wish you raised your hand. I want you to come down. Look, don't, nothing matters but what we just talked about. In all of life, this is it. This is it right here. This is precious, man. To get daily teaching from Michael and to follow our event schedule around the world, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Image TV YouTube channel as well. By partnering with Jesus Image, you will help us take the saving and healing power of Jesus to the world. Your giving changes lives forever. For more information, please visit us online at JesusImage.tv or write us at Jesus Image, P.O. Box 950-640, Lake Mary, Florida, 32795. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. Jesus is the answer for every life, everywhere.